Welcome to Preach the Word podcast. I'm your host, Ashton McDonald. For this episode, I'm going back in my archives to February 24th of 2016 to a sermon that Pastor Shad McDonald shared from Mark chapter 5, entitled, It's His Turn, But It's Her Time. I hope and pray that this sermon will be a means of encouragement and help to the listener. If you would like to keep track of new uploads to the podcast, please consider tapping the follow button. You can also share the podcast or a specific episode of the podcast to your friends and family by simply tapping the share button. I pray that these sermons are a means to reach a discouraged saint or even a distraught sinner. Please open your Bible and your hearts today and listen as Pastor McDonald preaches to us. Thank you. I desire your prayers tonight, please. I've got a bottle of water up here. This is so that my preaching won't be dry, okay? I was reminded that I was preaching once in Indiana, it's probably been 25 years ago, and I was uh, doing some dry preaching that night, I guess, and I was having to have a little water to help me. I did not know that in the course of my attempting to preach that I had angered a gentleman. And at the conclusion of the service, he came to me and said, that's the first time I ever seen that it took water to run a windmill. (laughs) I took it pretty good and the pastor had not even yet turned the lights out. And I looked and I seen that gentleman coming back through the door and he was crying and he said I owe you an apology preacher he said I'm sorry it wasn't so much my dry preaching as it was the dryness of his heart and he was convicted so I hope my preaching is not too dry tonight I would like to be a blessing to you if I could I will read from Mark chapter number 5 Mark 5, all the way down at verse number 21. Mark 5 and 21. If you have it, say amen. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him. And he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. When he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, when she 
had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And immediately, and Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched me? Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Verse number 23 concerning Jairus. My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee come, lay thy hands on her that she may live. Note verse number 24. And Jesus went with him. And Jesus went with him. Now verse number 27 concerning this woman when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. <coughs> the Lord would stand by me tonight. I want to preach a message entitled, It's His Turn, But It's Her Time. That's called line etiquette. Line etiquette is for you to stay in your place. You don't break line. As a matter of fact, I read recently of a woman that was uh, at Walmart and she was at customer service. And the person helping her told her, said, well, leave your item here. Go and get the item that you need to exchange. And when you come back, you don't have to stay in line. Just come to the front. So she went and got the particular item that she needed to exchange for. And there was a long line, and doing as the cashier told her to do, she went and placed her item on the counter. About that time, she was grabbed from behind by the back of the head and jerked to the floor and kicked and assaulted and attacked by a woman that was in line, and the whole time she's screaming, you can't cut line. People get excited about things like that. They get just a little bit upset when you break line. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, it happens all the time at airports, all the time at air terminals. However, if you are if you are in a wheelchair, you're allowed to go to the front. If you are in a wheelchair, you are allowed to go to the front. However, airline stewardess have noted that it's become a common practice for people to board the plane in a wheelchair. 
However, they're easy to dis- it's very easy for them to disembark and walk off. They call it a miracle flight. Amen. It would seem like this lady has broke line. It would seem as if this woman has cut in line. I was um, in Gulfport the other day and went to see Sister Joyce. <clears throat> and so I stopped to get a cup of coffee. I placed my order and I waited. And suddenly the girl behind the counter, she looked to someone behind me and she motioned for them to come up front. Well, I turned around and looked and there was a guy standing there with a gun. Well, we were even. I had a gun and he had a gun and she told him he could come first, but he had a bulletproof vest and he had a badge. So I figured he could stand anywhere he wanted to stand. Somehow or another, we have a problem with people getting ahead of us. And it would seem as if this woman had broke line. And it may not have been her turn, but it was her time. I read recently of a, of a medic who said that during wartime, that it was his job to go with a nurse to where the dead and the wounded were. And they had to tag them. They put a tag on the corpses and they put a tag on those that they deemed hopeless and then they tagged those that they felt like that needed immediate attention. And he said, I I saw all three colors of tags on the dead and the wounded that were there. He said there was one particular soldier who had suffered the loss of a limb. His leg had been blowed off and he was bleeding so profusely that the guy that looked at him tagged him as being hopeless, not anything we can do for him. And they tagged him and went on by. However, there was a nurse that was coming up behind and she stopped and she took his pulse and she listened and she looked both ways and she took that tag off that said hopeless and she put a tag on him that said, if he can get some attention real soon, we can save him. The medic said he was so glad that sometime later when he walked into the infirmary and he seen that man that that nurse had retagged as if we can get him some help soon, we can save him. He said he lost a limb, but we saved his life. May I say, they are people that sometimes looking at their circumstance, we tag them as hopeless. And we think there's nothing that can be done for them. And that's the way I see this woman here in the text. It seems as if it would be in vain. Everything has already been tried. Everything has already been done for her that could be done. But oh, I'm so glad for the great physician that was close by. And because the great physician was close by, others may have tagged her as hopeless. But with Jesus, there's always hope. Amen. Let's look at the text. It's very familiar. Take a turn with me around the text. Look at it. It's found in Matthew 9. It's found in Mark 5. It's found in Luke 8. It's one of the most familiar stories that we read of in the Gospels. Jairus has a little daughter 
that's 12 years old and she lay a dying and there's a woman here and she is a dying and she's been a dying for 12 years and this study that I want to show you tonight begins with a great contrast as a matter of fact there's no comparatives at all this one man was a ruler and this woman was a reject this woman was not allowed in the sanctuary she was an outcast of society and so there's no two people that were more opposite than these two people and it would seem that because Jarius had asked first that he would get his miracle first it would seem that it's because it was him that met Jesus when he came forth from the ship there at the sea that Jairus would get his miracle first because it was his turn. Oh, but it may have been his turn, but it was her time. And I want to preach to you tonight, please, that there are times in our life when we cannot afford to wait. There comes situations in our life that we cannot afford to wait any longer. And we must push etiquette aside. And we've got to get to where Jesus is at. And we've got to have help now. I remember when Sister Joyce <coughs> had her wreck. Mother and I were sitting at Singing River <coughs> at the emergency room. And there was a man rushed through the door. He didn't stop and speak to nobody. He come through that door screaming, I got to have help. I got to have help. My wife is in the automobile. We got to have help. There were other people in line. There were other people that had been sitting there quite a while impatiently. But there was a critical situation outside. And I watched as those nurses literally piled out of them rooms and pushed through that door. And they rushed to that woman's aid. It may not have been her turn, but it was her time. And I just want to preach a little hope into somebody's heart in this room tonight you may think well I don't know if God will do it for me I want to tell you he will he'll do it for you it could be that tonight is your miracle night it could be that tonight is the night that God does it for you look at the desperate condition she faced the desperate condition she faced nothing bettered Oh, what a critical disease. She had endured 12 years. She had an issue. It defined her. It labeled her. You know, somehow or another, what we undergo and what we face in life, it labels us. It, it attaches itself to us and we become known by that issue, that problem, that difficulty, that sickness, that malady, that disease, that hurt, that crisis. And we label people. We label them because of what they've endured. 
We tag them because of what they have faced. And one comes in the church and because of heartache and hardship, they're a single parent. Or maybe there's one that comes and because of sorrow, they are a widow or a widower. Oh, I wish you'd hit me while I preach. Or, or maybe there has been unfaithfulness. And I, I know that we can't always blame just one, but they're a divorcee. And quickly we, we put a, a name on them. We put a tag on them because of what they went through, right or wrong. And whether you want to blame someone because of where they're at, the fact of the matter is they're where they're at. And are we going to do anything to help them? Amen. And so because of what had defined this woman, it disqualified this woman. She was an outcast of society. She was an outcast of the sanctuary. And because of what defined her, it disqualified her. It limited her. It labeled her. And then because of what she had went through, it seemed as if it would forever be with her. And that would title her because of what she had went through. She was diseased. She was disqualified. And she was a dying. Every day she was closer to death. Twelve years she had suffered. Oh, a critical disease she had endured. And the crushing despair she had experienced. A critical disease and crushing despair. She was sick and she was tired. She had been sick 12 years. She had been tired 12 years. She is bankrupt. She has spent everything. But even though this woman was diseased, and even though this woman was disqualified, and even though this woman was a dying, this woman was desperate. Hallelujah. And finally, she is sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know what? I think sometimes we come to church and we sit pat. Amen. Because that's what we're supposed to do. We're reserved and we stay in our seat. We're quiet because that's the particular order that we're supposed to be in. But maybe, just maybe, there may be somebody in the room tonight. You're desperate and you've got to have a miracle in your home. You've got to have a healing in your family. You got a son or a daughter, a mother or a father. You got a family member that needs a miracle. And what I want to know is tonight, on a Wednesday night, yes, on a Wednesday night, God is able to give you a miracle. And you may say, I know it may not be my turn, but I'm believing it's my time. And I believe God's going to do it for me. This woman was desperate. Not only the desperate condition she faced, but the determined conviction of her faith for she said you know sometimes you just got to talk to yourself 
Sometimes you just got to talk to yourself. She said, if I can but touch him, I shall be made whole. And the Bible says this concerning this woman that touched Jesus. When she had heard of Jesus. Learning about the power of Christ. Learning about the power of Christ. Hearing of what he could do. She did not have Jairus' status or station. And she may not have even had Jairus' faith. So she had to act on the faith that she had. And you may look across this place tonight and say, I wish I had the faith of so-and-so. I wish I had the conviction of so-and-so. I wish I could really believe it like they do. I wish somehow that I could really lay hold and grasp things like they do. She perhaps did not have the faith of Jairus. So she had to act on the faith that she had. She had heard of Jesus. I don't know what she heard. Maybe she had been told about that man that went in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he took the book and he opened it. And he read the words of the prophet Isaiah. And then after he had read the book, he closed the book and gave it again to the minister. And the eyes of all of them were fastened upon him. Maybe she heard about what he had read in the temple of how the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and how that he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He's here. He sent me to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord maybe that woman when she heard that maybe she thought maybe that means it's my time maybe it's my time I don't know tonight whose time it may be but there may be some woman some man somebody in this place God is able to give you the miracle that you need tonight hallelujah she learned about the power of Christ And then now she's longing for the presence of Christ. And so when she heard, she wanted to get near. And she began to press through the crowd. And she said, for if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. She didn't let the crowd bother her. She didn't let the multitude hinder her. She merely just purposed in her heart, I've got to do everything I can do to get to where he's at. Stay with me now. The desperate condition she faced. The determined Conviction of her faith. And then now, the divine cure that she felt. This is the way that the scripture says it in verse number 29 of Mark 5. 
And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. If you'll allow me, please, I, I, I want to say it this way. She reached for his hem, and she touched his heart. For when she touched him, virtue went out of him. There's something so amazing about this text, and that is the deity of Christ as opposed to the humanity of Christ. When she touched him, virtue went out of him. And he knew it. And then knowing that virtue went out of him, he looked about and said, who touched me? His deity did not humanize him. His humanity did not deify him. One did not take away from the other. He was God and man. He was both. Somehow knowing all that he wishes to know. And then virtue going out of him. And that woman touching him. And immediately she was made whole. Just like that in an instant. Twelve years of suffering gone. Twelve years of suffering in a moment. She's changed. Verse number 33 says it this way. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. The virtue that she received personally, immediately she was healed. She knew and he knew. And then he says to her, daughter, and I love that word daughter. She's not a foreigner. She's not an outcast. She's not thrown away, but she's a daughter. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. The virtue she received personally, her victory was revealed publicly. Jesus said to everybody that was there, go in peace. He stilled her fears. He secured her future. Your faith made you whole. Come, please. I want to, I want, I want to center on those, those few words for just a moment, please. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Be careful with that. Not faith in her faith. Not, not, not faith in her faith. But the object of faith, who is Jesus, that was the object of her faith. Her faith made her whole. Her faith made her intact. Her faith made her complete. Her faith made her well. Her faith healed her. Not her faith in faith, but faith in Jesus. And may I say, you've got to put your faith in the right person. You've got to place your faith 
in the right person. It can't be in the preacher. It can't be in the church. It's got to be in Christ. He's the only one that can heal. Faith in Christ is what makes you whole. And so having said that, I want to ask you something, please. What has your faith made you? Her faith made her whole. You know, the skeptic has to have faith. The atheist has to have faith. He believes there is no God. Come on now. What has your faith made you? When your faith is in the right person, your faith will make you whole. The reason so many people get sidetracked, the reason so many people lose out, the reason so many people err from the faith is because they put their faith in the wrong people. They put their faith in the wrong place. And I hear complaints all the time. I hear the critic that says, that preacher let me down. I lost confidence in that preacher. I lost confidence in that church. I lost confidence in that man of God, quote unquote. I don't have any confidence in them. Listen, friend, if your belief system is simply built up with a network of what you see in people, you're going to be disappointed real soon. Your faith cannot be in people. Your faith cannot even be in a church. Your faith has got to be in Jesus Christ because churches change and sadly people change. And if you're looking for the perfect church, you'll not find it. If you're looking for the perfect preacher, he don't exist. Everybody's got faults. But the thing that makes us whole, the thing that makes us complete the thing that makes us intact the thing that makes us one we come as a body of believers our faith is in one Lord one faith and one baptism it's our faith that makes us whole and we get disenchanted and disenfranchised and disillusioned and just flat disgusted when we begin to look at people, and if that's where your belief system's at, you'll be fractured and fragmented and just busted all apart. But if you got faith in the right man, and that man is Jesus, your faith will make you whole. Hallelujah. <laughs> it was his turn, but it was her time. I preached the paid meeting back 25 years ago. And while I was preaching the paid meeting, <clears throat> somebody said, you ought to go visit Brother Barnabas White at Prague. So I went one day to visit Brother Barnabas White. Barnabas White pastored First Holiness Church at Prague for 40 years. And if I live to be 100, I'll never forget Walking in that day to that elderly preacher's house. He was 90 plus then. And we sat and visited for a while. And I told him I was preaching the Payton Tabernacle meeting. And he, of course, was not able to leave the house. He was housebound. And uh, we visited for a while. And he said, 
Have I? Have you ever heard? He said, have you ever heard about my boy getting healed? I said, no, sir. He said he was back in 56. As if it was yesterday, you know. He said, my boy had melanoma cancer. He said he had a great big cancer come up on his leg, right on his thigh. And he said the doctors were afraid to operate. And he said, so I took him to see Oral. And I perked up, and he saw the look in my eyes. He said, Oral, Oral Roberts. He said, I knew him personally. And he said, I took my son to see Oral. And Oral said, Barnabas, it's a lot easier to pray when you got help. He said, but right there in Oral Roberts' living room, Oral laid hands on my boy. And he said, nothing happened. He said, that melanoma cancer just got bigger and bigger. Barnabas White said, I heard that Willie Brannon was preaching at Houston. He said, so I loaded all nine of my kids on a pickup truck with sides that I'd put on it and a tarp for a cover. And he said, we drove from Prague to Houston to hear Willie Brannon preach. And he said, the first night we got there, he said, they were lined out side of the tent, a line as far as I could see. He said, we stood for several hours to weigh in the night. And finally, word came back down the line, said, Brother Brannon's gone to his camper. He won't pray for anybody else tonight. He said, the next day we got up, and long about noon, we went and stood in line through the long afternoon service, standing out in the hot sun, waiting to even get under the tent to where that man was preaching to thousands. Barnabas White said, he said, we could just see William Brannan on the platform. And suddenly he came down off the platform and started walking, walked by scores of people. And he said, you ma'am, you there, you holding that boy with that knitted sweater that's got a deer embroidered on the front. He's got melanoma cancer and God's going to heal him. Barnabas White told me, he said, that melanoma cancer that was on my boy's thigh shriveled up and dried up and was gone. I left there in utter shock and amazement at a preacher that came off the platform and spoke words of health and healing. The very next day I was sitting at Payton Cafe eating lunch with Sister Dawson. Clyde had passed and, and Kathy and I was there eating with Sister Dawson. And lo and behold, as a man come through the door and Sister Dawson just offhandedly said, do you know who that is? 
She said, that's Brother Barnabas' white son that was healed in Houston back in the 50s of cancer. And he's still alive today. It may not have been his turn, but it was his time. And I tell you, God can use anybody, anywhere, anytime. He can move on a Wednesday night. God's able to heal in the service tonight. It doesn't matter what your need is. It doesn't matter what the devil is saying. It don't matter how many lying devils the hell is saying. It ain't going to happen. It may not be your turn, but it's your time. And God's able to heal in the house tonight. Virtue is able to flow. And God's able to give you a miracle. God's able to give you what you ask for. If you'll but trust God. If you'll but believe it. God is able to do it for you in the house tonight. Stand all over this room, please. Sister Sandy, please come. Have your way, Lord. Father in heaven, thank you for the preciousness of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Oh, for your good Holy Ghost. Thank you, dear God. Ooh, Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Precious Jesus. Church, ask the Lord to help me tonight. Ask the Lord to give me direction how to do this. I know it was his turn, but Jesus said it was her time. Praise the Lord. I, uh, I want you to come tonight. You're believing God for a miracle. And by coming and standing up here, you're just saying, Preacher, I believe it's my time. I want you to come right now. I don't care what you need. I don't care what the doctors have said. I don't care what kind of tag may be on it. It does not matter what the label is. But you're here tonight and you say, Preacher, I believe it's my time. I want you to come right now in faith. God bless you, ma'am. Just come stand right here. God bless you, brother. Oh, I sure wish the Holy Ghost would get in this altar tonight. It may not be your turn. But Jesus is saying it's your time. Hallelujah. We're gonna give you we're gonna give you a moment. We're not in a hurry. It's early yet. It's early yet. Preacher man. I'm believing that on a Wednesday night it's going to be my time. And immediately virtue went out of him. And she got the victory. Hallelujah. Just honor the Holy Ghost right there where you at. Just honor the Lord.
Hallelujah. Just praise Him. Give Him, give Him room. Give Him glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you'd like to come help us pray. We'll believe the Lord. <laughs>